This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today's show is brought to you by Maitland & Co. Solicitors and Notaries. Now, of course, we hope that you never need to avail yourselves of legal services, but unfortunately, life isn't like that. And Maitland & Co. are specialists in criminal defence and road traffic law, and they come highly recommended from heart and hand. They cover all over Scotland, and they deal with all types of criminal cases, including road traffic law. They appear in Justice of the Peace, Sheriff and High Courts. They are on call 24-7 because unfortunately you're never going to know when you're going to need a lawyer and they are available 24-7 for police station interviews, prison visits, legal aid is available, competitive rates if applicant is not eligible for legal aid and first interview is free. Maitland & Co. have represented fans charged under the offensive behaviour at football legislation. So, if you ever need legal counsel, the best place to go is Maitland & Co. Get in touch with them at info at maitlandandco.net. That's info at maitland, M-A-I-T-L-A-N-D and co.net. 07714615845 that's info at maitlandandco.net 07714615845 for all your criminal defence needs Hello and welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers podcast my name's David Edgar and I'm your host and as it's the international week we like to bring you something a little bit different until Rangers come back and save us all from our ennui that envelops us during this uh, during this time and you'll recall that earlier this season during the October international break, we had Mark Dingwall, the editor of Follow Follow fanzine, on to discuss the origins of the fanzine. And we promised you a part two later in the season, where Mark would discuss the evolution of Follow Follow as a digital entity and its move to FF.com and how it's progressed over the years. So I'm delighted to say, joining me today is Mr. Mark Dingwall, editor, emeritus of <laughs> Follow Follow fanzine and followfollow.com. Hello, big chap. How are you doing? I'm doing superbly, David, and all the all the better for seeing you. 
I'm excited, Mark, about us doing a podcast where no one can complain about the sound from you. I, I don't well, know. I, I'll be Stormy Daniels. I don't know who you be. <laughs> I believe you'll hear, hear every groan of ecstasy. I, I believe the allegations of Stormy Daniels is saying she paid Trump a hundred thousand to get him to deny having an affair with her, <laughs> but uh, reports of that are unconfirmed. So, Mark, thanks for doing this. Now, as I say, listeners who may not know what we're talking about, go back into the archives and you'll hear, as Mark spoke about the early days of FF the fanzine, how it came into play and what what the, the sort of original idea of it was and put it together. And we, we wanted to chat about the the evolution of it into digital because a lot of younger people now will know it primarily through through the website. So let's go back to it. I remember it being 1999 was when I first remember seeing it. And I'll be honest, at the time I was getting used to the this newfound digital thingamabob called the internet and these things called search engines. I remember going in and thinking, right, search for something. Can't think of anything. <laughs> and after, well, apart from that, yeah, found that quite quick. But it used to take ages to, you know, digitise a picture down a dial-up. But I remember searching for FF, and the first thing I remember was a very basic site that had, like, four icons on it that were wee footballs. Uh, and not long after we sprung into board, but let's go back to the start. It's the late nineties. The internet's growing. What was the thought process? The um, the thought process was basically I'd always been kind of, although hopeless, always hopeless. Technically, um, I get into my, my first provider was basically CompuServe because CompuServe provided you with email, but also provided you with groups where you could go in yeah. and do, you know, and you could chat. You, could, you could chat about different things. And because I had the email, I was also into, basically, there was Rangers list, Celtic list, Scottish list. Um, there was Usenet groups, which I was never that keen on. Yeah. But really, for me, the big thing was the, the kind of Rangers list. And uh, Southern Jer, who's still with us as an admin and follow follow, him and everybody other. hates those admin fuckers. <laughs> well, <laughs> quite rightly, you know the Gestapo. I used there, to be wait. quite popular until we started <laughs> seeing my name pop up, and now it's like, oh, that bastard. So the so there was uh, I, I can actually remember going up to Strathclyde Uni where where uh, where Sandy was studying, and him and a guy called Stevie they were explaining how the thing worked, and there was was kind of I would say the first Rangers internet guru was a guy called James C Armstrong who was an American guy who had um, slightly otherworldly was James, <laughs> and he, he did a degree in Strathclyde University, sorry, St Andrews University, get into Rangers through that, but look, James would disappear for a couple of days, and you know, if the list had collapsed, you'd be like, James, where the hell have you been? And he'd be like, <laughs> oh sorry man, I was I was out uh, photographing eagles. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it turns out he is a very, he is a very good <laughs> photographer of eagles. Fair enough, so, somebody has to be. <laughs> So you had that, and it was also in the days when, you know, because everything was dial-up, um, if you were operating at home, it was quite difficult to use. It was Mosaic was the main browser. So I can actually remember going for a series of six classes at, at Strathclyde University, uh, evening classes where you basically got to use the internet. Yeah, yeah. So you just roam around the internet. And I remember there was, there was a, a slightly, there was a lady who I would say was a MILF before MILF was invented, Apolog- Again through the internet. A- a- apologies to any of, of our relatives, but I remember that this lady, uh, Colette McLennigan, was her name. And oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what team she's supporting, but I remember, I remember meeting her and chatting. I mean, oh, blah blah blah. 
And then about three weeks later, there was this um, learned article in Scotland and Sunday, and it was Colette McLennigan explaining the internet, and you're like, but she just learned it last week, wasn't <laughs> so you, She was an early adopter. Yeah, so, I mean, it was the kind of days when I can remember when I first started the degree, and to use the internet, sorry, to use a computer basically meant that you went to the computer department and you booked an hour, That's right. and then you went in and it was like A, command, slash, and... You know, this is how old it is. The last uh, computer language I actually learned was Fortran 77, which for those of you who are nerds is a computing language used by engineers. Yes. Um, Not an easy one. So it really was ancient. And then, as I say, uh, discovered CompuServe, got a CompuServe account and took off for there and then discovered these email lists. So that was really the start. Then, out the blue, um, I got a letter at the follow, follow post box from a guy in Edinburgh. And just student, and it's so long ago, and I hope this guy contacts me again. Um, but he was a bit like that, and he had the beard, and he had the ponytail. <laughs> and uh, it was a lovely guy, and he says, I've set up a, a follow follow website for you. And what he'd done is he'd, take, nice he'd taken a couple of photographs of front pages, and then he said, I like this one. I had an article by uh, the Gub was ranting about something and the Major was, you know, <laughs> discussing the iniquities <laughs> of the Roman Catholic Church or whatever. And he would just put it on and say, and if you want to write to Follow Follow PO Box 539 or whatever it was. And so that was the original Follow Follow website. So what I started doing was I would send him a couple of articles by email. He would stick them up and that was that. So, so that just puttered along for that, a That's while. the one I remember. It just puttered along for a couple of years. And then the bloke um, uh, met him a couple of times through a, through a mutual acquaintance who was at Edinburgh Uni. And uh, he just, I, th- I think he must have graduated, he just disappeared, you know, like, you know, original ship in the night. So that that site was still out there, but the internet wasn't really huge. And it was. Again, for, for younger listeners, Mark, you did have to go. It wasn't like you, you know, now re-access it from several different items you carry around with you. You had to sit down at a computer, take charge of the phone line. That was the thing. Yep. People couldn't phone when you were on the internet and then use dial-up. And to load a page with any graphics on it at all could take genuine it, it minutes. Was, it, was also quite a, it was also quite an investment because um, I can remember when I'd, I'd heard and I'd read about CompuServe, for instance, and it just so happened one of my mates says, oh, I know a guy that's a lecturer at, uh, at Glasgow Uni, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go up to see, you know, what it all involves and how it charges. So so Dave and I went up to this this guy's flat up around about, um, somewhere around about Kelvin Bridge. And we actually, you know, he let us use his computer for a, a while. Because otherwise, the only way to go on the internet was to a, either be a student or... To, to work in a company that had, um, had access, that, that, that access that had loads of money. So it was, it was very much seen as a, an elitist thing in those days. Then, in, uh, I would say it's about the winter of 1999, I get contacted at the post box by a guy called Mark Rinaldi. Uh, he's a Hibs fan. He'd written for various um, football magazines and he, was, he then got employed down in London by uh, Rivals as in Rivals.net, which was owned by Chrysalis, and they had money from... The, so- that, that's a media company for anyone, they were a record label, a lot of people yes, uh-huh. remember, yeah. And they had, they'd, uh, they'd back in from SoftBank, which was owned by Mitsubishi, and what they'd seen was, in America, there's a, a series of websites called Rivals.com, and they had various communities for all the, you know, 
uh, American football, ice hockey, baseball teams. So it was going going great guns in America. So they decided they would get the franchise, run Rivals.net for football, Formula One, Rugby League, Rugby Union, horse racing, um, cricket in, in Britain. So he contacted me, he says, I've been looking, and he said, saw your website... He said, but to be honest, none of the none of the Rangers websites are really are really up to much. Um, which in those days, early days, contrast with for some reason Hibs had a really thriving um site that continues to this day called Hibs.net. And you know, they they already had a big, big traffic. So but he, he said he says, I know from being a football fan that follow follow has got a following. Yeah, it's know, got a brand name. We're a fanzine. Aye. He said, So how do you fancy doing this? So um Went to a couple of meetings and particularly there was one in Perth where they recruited people from all different fanzines mostly or we independent websites. Makes sense. You know, you've got the names, mm-hmm. the, 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 there's a built-in audience, people are going to recognise mm-hmm. it. And, and I go back to when you're sitting there and you're searching and you think football, then you've put in your team and then you might put in the league and then you go, well, what now? <laughs> Topical times, football annual, you know. So the idea, I mean, that's how I found it was like, oh, follow, follow. I wonder if it's got the, the thing that rivals really nailed right away was community. And we went to a couple of these meetings where, you know, in hotels where they banged it into, you know, the reason this will work is because community, you're going to build a community, community, community. You've got to involve the punters. <clears throat> it also introduced me to the the perils of, of, uh, of the legal world because one of the guys sort of unsuspectingly said <clears throat> what you've got to be aware of when you're writing an article is, is all the fans may know and they may chant and you may believe that your chairman's a paedophile <laughs> but you can't say it <laughs> so, right? so we're all laughing <laughs> and one guy put his hand up and he says yeah what is it he says what happens if your chairman is a paedophile? <laughs> so we all started laughing. It was a guy from an East Fife website who at that time, they actually had Julian Daniskin, who was a convicted paedophile, as their chairman. <laughs> so, so, so with the Scottish accent, the Scottish humour, uh, and this kind of banker, English guys are going, ho, 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 what? Obviously <laughs> not really is. It may be a wee bit problematic. So I'm only surprised that cunt didn't turn up with us in the banter years because that would have just topped everything off. Oh, they were so, so. That was my first kind of introduction to the the idea of arrivals, which I, th- I think, to be honest, has probably spoiled us because they were so well funded. Technical stuff was superb. Um, they had legal people. They had guys on you every day. You know, here are what your numbers, how you were doing, and so forth. So we, we launched that. Uh, it was a kind of like a soft launch. Um, to start with, and so that would have been what about early two thousand, and that was that was how we started was at a slow pace. And that, but by this time, I'd bumped into a few people who in Glasgow who were involved in the internet, you know, kind of budding um, people who were putting sites together or you know academics and whatnot. And I said, I'm I'm doing this, and what do you think? And I said, well, you know, if after the first week you've got about a thousand hits, however you count a thousand hits, whether that's page impressions or just hits, whatever you do. If you're hitting a couple of thousand, you know, that should get a busy site. So you'll be able to measure it against that compared with sites that we do. And the first day that Follow Follow went live, we had over 10,000. So right away, people are going, "Uh uh-oh. You know, and the guys at Rivals were like, whoa, whoa, what's what's going on here? This is something 
this is something a bit different to, to some of the other sites. So from then, it really I'm, grew I'm like, like to topsy and turvy. I'm going to come in here like a punter because that's what I was back <clears> in those days. Now, to any of you who are listening to this and you use message boards and you complain about admin or you think that it's restricted what you can say and uh, how you get online and all the rest of it, that early board was like the fucking Wild West, right? Uh, there were maybe about a few hundred regular posters of us, and you didn't need to register. You just literally went on the site, typed in your name, and you then could start a thread, and it, it would go from there. And it was... Uh, the reason that I think I've managed to develop elbows in the world was if you you couldn't handle um, pressure it wasn't the place to be we had people leaving there in tears I mean because you used to allow on it felt new and it felt exciting and so things that are going to blow the mind of, of younger listeners genuinely like Tim's could come on FF and there were in fact there were established yeah, like, yeah. Remember Todders, the Aberdeen fan? Yeah. Uh, and there were guys who would come on who were supportive of our team and take the piss, but they would also just get involved in the chat. And people accepted it. It hadn't got quite so segregated yet. And if you showed any weakness whatsoever, you were dead. And it, it, honestly, now that people think they can't you know you can't say much online or maybe think the opposite of online abuse I think that's why you and I when we hear about online abuse we kind of go that you're upset about that because back then nothing was was off limits was it well also I think it amused you a wee bit because even back in those days um because because uh I took it seriously about reporting things and who to sorry to, to rivals right. you know if there was something to it you can illegally cover yourself absolutely and uh, so the guy that there's a couple of different people did the the Celtic site in those days and there was a couple of changes but basically you know they they also took it seriously about reporting things and whatever and you know banning folk and whatever so between us we're banning or reporting 60% of the, of, entire... of the, complaint, of the complaints of the entire network um, and that I was only, that. and that was only because uh, the only thing that had ever been worse was the Indian and Pakistan cricket sites, <laughs> <laughs> two warring nations, <laughs> who eventually the uh, rivals took the decision just to get rid of them because they described it as being the old firm with nuclear weapons. <laughs> <laughs> so it might be bad, but we ain't that bad. So that so, so that was fun. But so, so also, I think you've got the whole West of Scotland thing, the humour. Uh, the in-your-face stuff, you've got the rivalry and the nature of the rivalry with Celtic, uh, and and you've also got the fact that they are completely bonkers, so you've you've got that into the factors. So I remember um, not too long ago, and there was a kind of meeting with the, the, the people who were, by this time, many years later, we'd moved on to Footy Mad, and some of these guys were anguishing about, you know, oh, we've got a new guy coming to join the network, and... Um, has anybody got like, rules and regulations about what you should ban for and what your admin should look like? And and they were all really tortured about this. And I said, well, I just say to my admins, ban them and you can sort it out later. You know, the bad drives out the good. So if you any doubt, ban, the guy can appeal, whatever. Can and I said, it's, it, you know, I don't know why you're getting so upset. I said, 
because we've banned over 6,000 people. Yeah. And I was literally like, you could hear a pin drop, and they're like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do about 30 or 40 or <laughs> sort of thing. Um, you know, so it, it, it's a different culture, and I, I don't think people really get the ideas that, you know, when you have to carry the can for this, yeah, um, absolutely. It's not, it's not not even a legal thing. It's just to have a debate. You've got to you've got to have rules. I mean, people say, oh, "I can go on Facebook and I can say anything." Yeah, well, that's why Facebook is starting to go down yeah, go down the tubes because it it's going the same way as Twitter. Unmanaged, unregulated, no rules, even the kind of fairly light touch that we have. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and we'll, we will come to that later on. And uh, because I've been a bit of a um, butcher turned gamekeeper, I think I, I've. Uh, looking forward to having a, a chat to you about that. Now, the summer of 2001 was when you really first, you, you, you told me, was when you first thought, hang on a minute, there's something going on here. What, what, I'd, um, what, what I did fairly early was, uh, for, for instance, the, the Cambridge United website, that, it was held up a bit like the Hibs one has been a really good site because they had unbelievable traffic. And you're thinking, Cambridge United, we've only got four or 5,000 people. Hi. And it was as dull as dust but what the the girl or now lady was called uh, Andrea Throssel which was a slightly strange name but what she did was every day three articles about Cambridge United that's a lot every day <laughs> could be there is so basically anybody that was a Cambridge United fan in the whole world that was the place to be and it had a massive traffic and that was really like a signpost to where the internet was going that you know uh, individual um individuals with an interest in anything, it could be model railways or cars or whatever, if you got a forum for them, then it could generate massive traffic. And she did that, she got a hold of that. So that was really the the magic formula, was three articles a day. I started doing that. I think today it's almost pointless doing that, you know, kind of like news roundups and, and whatever, because there's so there's so many Different outlets, sources. there's so many aggregators that, that, that do it automatically. There really wasn't. So that's what I was doing. So it was an amalgamation of put up an article about something or other, maybe a, a news roundup. Also, I was very lucky in, in that time. I had three pals in Italy, and you know there's three sports dailies in Italy. So I knocked Sorry. off because I had uh, had, uh, had, uh, had Roberto did the uh, uh, whatever the, the sports daily is in, in Milan. Fabrizio could look at Tutto Sport in Turin, and, and Luigi could look at... Um, could look at the, the the Roman sports paper. So they had huge amounts of info about people who had been in Rangers radar, ex-Rangers players. So I was getting all this stuff before anybody else in the world got it. You know, I usually got a phone call or, a, or an email saying, oh, there's something in Tuto Sport or Corriera or Gazetta. So did that. So it was coming in from all over the world. And then, you know, Rangers fans in Chile and, and all this kind of stuff. So this was all entirely new that these people could contact you. Then in the summer of two thousand and one, uh, myself and SM, who's still one of the the admins, and met Stuart through the through the website. So the two of us went and and as we holiday together, that coincided with Rangers pre-season tour. And I think there was three games, and we were there in Amsterdam for ten days. So each day we would either go to the match to the town where the match was, or we would pick a some some town and we would drive out to Appledoorn or The Hague or whatever or head look to see King William's Palace and whatever yeah. and then and then at night. So what we said was we're going to do a blog. Um this was kinda of like a novel concept. That's but, right, you know, it was. It was uh, Suck an SM's excellent adventure. I remember that. 
which lasted one day. Because after a night in the town with Stuart, the next day I woke up at five o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> so we just thought, well, the second day's vlog ain't going to happen. And it didn't happen for the rest of the tour because we were out of trees. And I can ha- those of you know me, I'm not, I'm not a fan of drugs. But I do like a swally. Uh, so whilst the wee man was, you know, indulging planet, in, in yeah. mushrooms and perfectly legal and things in Holland, yes, we should indeed. point out. Yes, yes. And uh, so that was that. But <laughs> what I'd been able to do in the build-up, I looked at the clubs we were playing, phoned them up, um, managed to get you know their club insignia, and because they were a wee bit out of the way, there was one in Wizet, there was Dovo, and so what I was able to do was to put in like a travel guide put that in follow, follow, and that became quite popular for maybe a couple of thousand people that were going to, going to these games. We bumped in, you know, you'd bump into people at a, a Dutch motorway, like Roby and all the guys from the old Loudon and Duke yeah. Street, and there'd be like this minibus, turns up with all these urchins, <laughs> like, big man, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, God. Ah, oh, we're just following what was on the internet. So I remember Stuart and I, at that time, you know, laptops were almost like uninvented at that point. And so everything, what we'd do every day, we'd go into uh, in the centre of Amsterdam and use the, the EasyNet Cafe. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> and so the first, first day we're in there, we see this guy on Follow Follow reading the guide to get into, I think it was Dovo. Mm. And so, how are you doing? We're the guys from Follow Follow. Ah, blah, blah, blah. That was brilliant. And then, towards the end of that week... Uh, we were in there, and this group of five or six guys come in, Glasgow Region Accent Rangers, how you doing? But uh, we were so out of trees last night, we've missed the plane. So they then used the, the search engines to book flights, and so they got a train to Charleroi, and then they flew to Glasgow via Belfast or something. Aye. So I'm thinking, they're going, this internet thing's something, it's, it's something it's, totally different, because these guys are already so confident that they think we can get cheap flights, cheap trains, and get home tonight. It wasn't, you know, you slept in, you think it's a major nightmare. Oh, five years ago, it would have get been, there. five years before that, I mean, it would have been a nightmare. And so all that week we were bumping into people who had been on Follow Follow, had read the guide to how to get to these grounds, and you're just thinking, this thing's really taken off. There's people from Germany, from all over the continent, that are, you know, exiled blue noses who've got in touch and you know what we are they're actually trusting what we are writing uh, to actually get themselves to games and as I say with with that group of guys I never forget them was just the way they were so confident about being able to you know their credit cards and whatever and put it on the internet and get themselves home which you know today is it's part of everyday life but in those days to see young guys so effortlessly using the technology and you know they'd again they had all been following you know, what we'd written and follow, follow about uh, how to get the games. It it was a real eye-opener. The day that I remember FF sort of coming into its own is um, easily rememberable because it was September 11th, um, 2001, obviously, and the BBC website collapsed, CNN's website collapsed, uh, ITV, ITN news website collapsed, and I was at work, as were a lot of other bears, and the updates we were getting was from the thread on Follow Follow uh, because people were sitting in the house watching it mm-hmm. and you were getting your updates from it that day and obviously at the time 
you don't really think any of it because the, the, the horror of what's going on was, was obviously to mind. But it was only afterwards, talking to people, that we realised collectively as users that it was our first point of call. And that's the first I remember that happening. Whereas now, and for years, I get up in the morning, I check Facebook, Twitter, email, FF. You know, it's, it's yeah. part of my... And it has been for... Um, you know, coming up on 20 years now but that was the first day I realised that the automatic protocol was always I'll go on FF and to be honest now I get my news from FF because if something happens somebody will post about it in the lounge which is the known football bit for those of you who don't know I suppose we've lost you by now you're not still here if you don't know where the lounge is but um, I generally speaking because occasionally for some reason, something won't be deemed interesting enough to cover it. And Sally will say to me, did you see this on the news? And I'll say, no, because, you know, I'll go and, but don't get me wrong, I don't read it and then take whoever the guy's opinion on it, right? <laughs> but if I see a story, I'll then go, oh. And especially with breaking news in the modern era, you know, where it yeah, really yeah. hits social media first, FF's kind of the place I generally will find it. But we move on now. Back then there was what has been termed the internet bubble and it caused the you know the great bull market of the stock exchange at the time. There were genuinely younger listeners, internet companies that didn't have an office that were being valued genuinely in the billions um, based on an idea and the fact that they had a domain name. It was a crazy time. The, the stocks went through the roof. There were IPOs for everything. I remember one called echeesegraters.com which was going to revolutionise the way we buy cheese graters. <laughs> and it got valued in millions, like hundreds of millions. It was ludicrous. Everybody wanted to buy tech stocks. Everybody wanted to be online. Everybody wanted a presence on the internet. And then, of course, as happens with bubbles, uh, they burst. And that was when you sl- you saw this sort of consolidation of the bigger companies and the ones who came through that, your Google, etc. It moved from being this kind of random thing to slightly more corporate, slightly more organised. And round about that time, similar thing happened to you and you because, you know, corporations who had put in a lot of money had to, if they hadn't, if they'd not been that successful or if they hadn't made good investments, they, they sort of backed out and you then shifted to a new home. Well, what, what we found were that there was the internet bubble, which was more a stock exchange thing. But at the same time, because of that... Um, advertisers who'd been funding this suddenly realised, well, we don't really have any industry-wide tools that can actually um, measure how successful no, what we're doing No, that's true. That didn't happen for at least another decade. So, so almost overnight, I think uh, Chris Lister, who, who owned Rivals, I think they said their, their advertising revenue in one month went down by 68% as people just left the... Uh, Left the internet, and and of course we we mentioned earlier nine eleven. There was a huge knock on effect on the economy right around the world. So they had um, they had a problem, and how they solved it was to basically they retrenched everything back to the ninety two clubs in England. So at the end of season two thousand one two thousand and two, it meant all the Scottish sites, all the international sites, all the Formula One, they did every Formula One team covered. That's right. So we all we all basically got told to you know that you know. Off. The party was over at the mm. end of the day. And, and, and what I say is, amongst the Scottish um, publishers, there's quite a few of them that I still keep in touch with to this day. Um, there's some, some decent guys. And, you know, some of them wanted to go, you know, st- stick it up rivals. And I said, well, hold on. You never know. Some of the guys that are working down there are decent people. They're likely to be around. Why don't we just do what the contract said and f- 
finish up, get a check and walk off, you know, and, and go and do something else and see if we can find a home. So we did that. Because you still had the traffic. Yeah, and, and a few of the guys uh, decided to either chuck it and some of them went independent, did their own thing. Um, guy from St Johnston went off on his own. But a few of us then started looking around. So found us, I, I met with people from Vital Football, which is based in in Birmingham, and I met with them and it didn't didn't really work out because they were they were absolutely toiling for money at the time. In fact, a couple of weeks after I met them, they phoned me up and offered me half the company for five grand. <laughs> and I was like, well, I was actually hoping to get five grand off of you, mate. <laughs> and uh, so eventually settled on Footy Mad, which was based in in Burnley, this industrial estate in Burnley, um, owned by the mysterious Mister Taps. Oh, aye. And it was called Mister Taps because it made all his money selling. Uh, Bathroom fittings, <laughs> and I never actually met Mister Taps. He might, he might not have existed. Like some of these owners of Portsmouth, you know, that, right. that, that never actually existed. Um, but I met his kind of. So apparently, the guy that owns Fish Fingers isn't he? Isn't he? I've got a sea captain. <laughs> Mister Taps, that's brilliant. And so I never met Mister Taps, but it was run from this this very swish office in in Burnley. So obviously, I was disappointed never to meet Mister Taps. Uh, and, and and they were they were obviously they were they were not as um, technically efficient or anything else didn't have the same backup as uh, as rivals but but in the early days they actually did have you know you know the guy that looked after content that chased you to make sure that you put up enough uh, enough articles and you know to 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 satisfy what they wanted. I remember uh, Mark though the, the the audience and being one of them you know like change change is not good <laughs> I don't like this it looks different. <laughs> Well, uh, the the beauty the beauty about rivals was, um, especially when it started, was because when you registered and you know nobody could stop you registering, which was obviously a problem. Yeah. You know, we were getting IRA nineteen sixteen. Yes. You know, could be a problematic year. Yeah, I, I don't think he's a Rangers fan, <laughs> that guy. Uh, so so they would all join, and the beauty about rivals was it was so slick. So say for instance, so you're on you're on follow follow, and there's no there's no threads that you'd really fancy. So what we found was that you were keeping people for maybe 40 minutes on the system. And so they would look at the Rangers stuff and then while they're waiting for updates, they would go and, I don't know, go and look at East Fife or Colchester or Man United or Arsenal. An article. Ha- have have a wee search there. through there. And then they you know, click of a button. Because your name went right across. Yeah. yeah. That was if you were, if you were registered yep. uh, on Rivals, then you mm-hmm. could go and post under your name on other because well, I used to go and leave abusive stuff on Aberdeen and, and I never at the time I always had a thing that I wasn't going to go there but Aberdeen there I used to go in and laugh at them a lot well, well you, you also had this phenomenon where the group from uh, that emanated out the Blue Order there was there was a wee group of them called the, uh, the Sprinter Group Loyal and led by the redoubtable Gaga who once appeared to have been on follow follow continuously for 17 days <laughs> it was only it was only later we found out that Opera the the, the, the browser. browser had an automatic update so so we were thinking this maniac slip he must, be, he must be dozed and caffeine so him and, and, and Ross and all the rest of them they used to organise an away day What's an away day online? Well, what they would do is they would suddenly like descend on the East Stirling website, <laughs> more banded, and just take it over. Or you know, some some Shrewsbury town kind of admin would go, 
would wake up and find there was like several hundred people on his site talking about sectarianism. Uh, so, you know, there was a lot of good fun going on there. Uh, well, good fun for them. <laughs> not, not so much for the admin. Not perhaps for those whose, whose websites were visited. So it was all good fun. Then we went to Footy Mad and uh, it wasn't as slick. But I always felt technically, uh, I'm pretty hopeless at these things, so I always needed, I always felt for safety sake a technical thing. And also... Uh, and a legal kind of protection was that you know rivals and footy mad had structure yes know, so, of course I so if you signed up with them you were yeah, some kind of legal like protection uh, and also it kept it kept us in the straight and narrow that you had people to report to that you hopefully kept up some kind of standards uh, although that's obviously debatable and so you know it, you had people there that maybe a bit more experienced than you in, in certain matters so you know it kept you in the, the straight and narrow so they provided a home for a long time. They went through uh, some changes of ownership. They were owned by the European Sports Agency, which is a big agency that provided a lot of, um, you know, match reports and so forth to, you know, all sorts of companies, newspapers around the world. They went through a few changes of ownership, which could become a wee bit problematic. Um, but generally, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't perfect, but it was, it was a home for a good number of years. Mm. Uh, and then just towards the end there, you start to get the feeling that, you know, they didn't have the infrastructure, that, you know, just things were... It was getting old, it was getting tired, it was clunky. And so there, there came a point where, you know, a lot of people were saying to me, you it's know... It's time to go. It's time to go because you've got... However much you try, it's... Uh, the technical stuff isn't up to date. It's an old, old system... Whatever they're trying to do to upgrade it, isn't it? It's making it slow, and it's actually stopping the site growing. Yeah, and so, it, it was bad by the end of the ads. It was slow, it was clunky. Well, um, well they were relying on follow-follow to provide so much of the traffic for the adverts that it was... Uh, that they all ended up there. I, no, I know, we know. Um, <laughs> trust us, we know. We'll talk about the nice new shiny website in a minute. But um, followfollow.com changed my life. Um, it got me divorced. It made me an alcoholic, uh, indirectly. But <laughs> let's, uh, and those are the good things. Let's go back to the fresh. Let's follow for ever done. Let's for you. go back. Yeah, exactly. Let's go back to a fresh face, twenty four year old David, and uh, this is when the meetups began. Mm-hmm. Because you know, you, if you were like me and you were in your boring job, but you had internet access, and this is before work started putting in their sophisticated software to kind of track what you were, you really only had to avoid your boss catching you over the, you know, your shoulder kind of thing. So I would be on it you know, all day, you know, and, you, and you're chatting away to people all day. And uh, Scott Bear slash Errol of Leaving um, has clearly has been on there. Are they not two different people? Different. No, they're, they're the same person, oh, I, Mark. Uh, uh, the, the big I never, reveal. I never spotted that. The big reveal. Uh, you still call him <laughs> Scott Bear after all these years. Um, and we all met up. We started meeting up at Annie Miller's. And uh, from there, I've said, and I think you can trace a direct line from the meetups to the, well, let's take this a bit further. At first it was, you know, we'd go for a curry or we'd go for a, a bevy. But what, from what, that... What, what was our first venue? Where did we go for the first curry? first curry was it not the Koinur? I've got that. It was... I have a memory. No, was it not Bombay? Down at... Um, it was definitely down at, uh, at Anderson. Oh, right. I, the I, I definitely remember 
Because we, we all came out steaming, ah, strangely yeah. enough, yeah. and then went to an internet cafe in Sucky Hall Street to tell everybody else no, we were what, a day, what a night we had. I, I remember, but the, the first one I remember, uh, or not the first one, but I definitely remember one up at the coin now, uh, and then later on one at Satie's, but uh, after a while we kind of skipped the meal part of it, and we would just go to Annie's and get blittered. Um, and from that, though, the chat started to change to being this is great and you meet up and you make friends, you know what I mean? I've met you, met Scott, met loads of people, Ian, um, loads of guys that I'm still friendly with. Um, but the fact is, is that pretty much most of that group went on to do something in support of activism for what about have built. I, yeah. I know that sounds a bit wanky, but it is true that very few people just went and did the bevy and then it, they, they all went off to form a group because we're Rangers fans and we all need to have a well, group I, I, I remember when when Ian Hogg first arrived in the scene that bastard <laughs> and uh, I remember the gub saying you know blah 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 and I said well he's taking a bit of doing this guy but I think he's got something about him and the gub I said he says he's still undergoing the journey we've still got a bit of work to do on him it was almost as though he was like, groomed to yeah, join no, the gang and it was it was you know we all had to to go on the because about this time 2002 you're talking money steps down and there's a debt of 80 million and you're like hang on what hold on and suddenly things change your rangers stop making the big signings that, that we've been used to 2002 you get arteta comes in at six million that's really the last time we've been dabbling well, in those I, days. I like i like to think i mean whatever whatever faults the the fanzine of the websites had and no doubt uh, they've had you know it has had many and I put most of those down to down to myself because at the end of the day you've got to have somebody in charge but what I like to pride ourselves on is that we've we've always been doing things we've always been an engine for change now whether that's you know culturally within the club um, campaigning about the media or for instance you know when I I would say myself. Uh, I, I don't blame anybody for being a David Murray fan because if you look at the first half of his reign, I mean, it was done without the debt or whatever. I mean, I think the worst season we had nine in a row, we lost some, like, 1.8 yeah, million. Rangers were profit. People forget yeah. that. Rangers yeah. were profitable the first so, 10 years under David so Murray. Was, Up until done. Dick Summer was the first one. And then, and then for, for me, well, obviously, I, th- I think the thing that's affected absolutely everything was in the four and a half seasons of uh, of Dick's reign, we overspent by, I think, I'm correct in saying, 124 million. And for me, the the moment when all the kind of wee queries and quibbles I'd had about Murray came mm-hmm. when we signed Tori Andre Flo, because yeah. I just thought, we can never make that money back. And we were just about to post annual losses of, I believe, something like 24 million, and then we've just spent 12, and you're like, hang on, we're about to post 24 million, and then we lash out 50% of that on one player. Because what I would say to people is that um, whether they're fans or rangers or not, is that the whole point of a fanzine, the whole point of doing a website, I think, is to effect some change. It's not just about flying a kite about, you know, who's who's the best left midfielder you've ever seen. If there's a point to it all, other than just, you know, the joy of supporting your club, you've got to make changes. And, and that's what I've always thought about, uh, about the trust, you know, when we turned Danny Murray, and in those days, a lot of people didn't like to hear that. Because no, he was no, such a powerful figure. Yeah. I mean, far He didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly did not. But, you know, Murray, for all his faults, was far brighter, far more clever than, say, the bungling board at Parkhead or Stephen Thompson or Vladimir Romanov or these guys. Until he far, lost interest. Far, far cleverer, 
far more dangerous person to take on than, than these guys. Even even the the showers that we we had to deal with with later, far, far, far brighter. Um so along the way, whether it was um let's say Colin and, and, and Gordon initially coming up with the idea to, to form the trust or uh one guy I don't think we can hope to mention and, and I would put him in the same kind of breath as the sorry breath as the gub as Simon Leslie, known as Man from Delmonte, because the beauty about Simon is ah, he's a bit madcap, he's a bit disorganised, Davy smiles wryly. Um but Simon knows what Rangers fans like, Aye, what motivates them, and he's also got an eye for our history. I mean, doing stuff about um about Bill Struth, about uh the legacy of Sam English, because everybody knew about the tragedy of John Thompson, but they didn't know the, the, the Sam English story. And, you know, through through a campaign and we were able to tell that. So that's some of the stuff that's made me proudest is that, um, not that Follow Follow claims the credit for it, but we were the initial platform for a lot of this stuff, you know, like popularising the club's history. It was a meeting place. It was you know, a, an organ, it was a tool. Yeah. So, if, so if you look, for instance, let's say the Founders Trail started with the Founders Committee, um, the repopularisation of truth through, you know, a lot of the stuff, the research that the Gub did, um, the red and black scarves, Rangers Erskine, you know, where you had Tam, uh, you had you had uh, Simon, and you know it grew and grew from there. But you know, it, a lot of these things are beautiful about them was that they outgrew follow follow very quickly. They get into the broad mass of the support. So that's what I'm most proud of is that it's become a wee incubator for for all these ideas Aye, and absolutely. people people come in, they give you an idea and what do you think? You say, well, stick it up and I'll send it a mass email and see if we get a response. And then off they go. It's then up to them whether it flies or it it sinks. So that's uh, that, that that's what I love seeing is pe- somebody comes up with some daft idea and it, and it and it isn't daft. No, that's the thing about FF as you say that um, it offers you if you want to do something. Um, it offers you somewhere to start, somewhere to meet other people and float the idea to see if it's any good. Because you will be told if it is not. Uh, in a in a collegiate fashion by uh, by the users that your idea perhaps is without merit, but it also then gives you a central meeting point. It gives you a place to to crowdsource, if you like, information and say, do you like this? No. Should we do this? No. Yes. Do it, go more there. So you can get a lot from it, and it does offer you that sort of for what a better term, a meeting place and somewhere, and also an audience. And that that I can't stress that enough. If you want to get something going. You, you can have the best idea in the world if nobody knows about it and you've no way of getting it to them, whereas in FF you, you instantly have access to that, as you say, if your idea's any good. Um, now, we, we've had many a social night over the year. We've had, in my case, an FF divorce. So it's only fair enough to point out, and I'm sure we've had many FF divorces, incidentally, I'm just laughing when I think about that, the amount of guys are, are you on that fucking site again? Um, I, 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 rem- I remember QV Loyal. Who, who sadly has uh, gone to his eternal reward. And I remember being told that his missus could tell when he was angry on a Friday night because the sound of him battering the, the keyboard got, yeah. got louder and oh, louder. See the meme that goes with the, the, the uh, you know, the woman's lying in bed in the negligee and it's come to bed, husband, and he's like, I can't, there's somebody on the internet who's wrong. <laughs> that, for me, sums up FF in the mid-2000s and still to this day at times. But, uh, you know, th- th- those are all the kind of now. But there was an FF marriage. In fact, there's been more than one. Oh, yes. And, and there's, there's also, there's been a few FF Lotharios. 
Um, some of us all remember remember Stefano. Yes. And Stefano would come on. Here, boys, you know, I was up the Savoy at the week, met this stunner, blah, blah, blah. So he was always talking about women and whatever. So eventually he says, he's coming to one of the follow, follow do's. Christmas night. So we're expecting this wee sort of dumpy guy to turn up living in the fantasy world. So this young trendy dude turns up and, I mean, the girl he was with was like a, a Glaswegian of Pakistani descent. But, I, I mean... Literally, did she knock her back teeth out? Yeah. She was an absolute stunner. And I'm like, he has a shagger in real life. <laughs> well, that actually takes us on. Before we come on to the kind of agitation under the last board, uh, the bit I've been looking forward to the most, Mark. Legendary threads from FF. Right, legendary posters, legendary threads. And I'm going to start you off with a few favourites of mine. First of all, the poor fucker. You'll be listening to this. It will haunt him for life. Coldy Blue, right? Mm-hmm. Who posted a thread that I've memorised. I didn't need to go and look it up. I've read it that often. Um, and up he posts one day, years ago, 2007, I think. Um, Bear in Love, it was called, right? And the rule of FF, I'm giggling thinking about it. The rule of FF is it's always the first answer. And I stick by yeah, that. Yeah. It's always the first answer. Um, and this guy posts up a thread saying, does anyone else really love their missus? Like, that when she goes away, they feel almost actual pain inside. She's away on holiday at the moment, and I don't know what to do without her. Um, and don't just say drink, because uh, I drank so much cider at tea in the park, I, can, I, I can't even face it. First answer, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, from there... It was all downhill. It proceeds to be... Right, and the fact that he'd revealed she was in Spain, somebody said, you know, mate, she's getting filled up at the moment by six Spanish waiters. One guy to the tune of uh, Love Is All Around by Wet, Wet, Wet. Lies to me, I've got them in my fingers, I've got them in my toes, cocks are all around me, I'm a bukkake ho. And at the end of the day, oh, trying to kill it, he comes on and says, I've learned a very painful lesson today. Ten years later, that thread's still going. He's married to her, right? And it still gets dusted down. And it, that I would say that's my favourite thread of all time. There are others. Uh, the other one being a guy who said, I want to dump my missus in the, mo- um, in the most painful way possible. I found that she's been um, cheating on me. What, what do you guys recommend? First answer, it's always the first answer. Stab her in the throat and throw her in the glide. Well, <laughs> that was quite passive when I read that. We, we cannot recommend that. To Don't do that. Is, Don't hope he didn't do that. I, 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 st- I still think because it's so Glasgow. and It's very Glasgow, yeah. And and if you think... Um, Which is the joy of it. The humour is just outstanding. Oh, it's, it's brutal. But, but the one I loved was on our temporary website where, where we get moved after some unfortunate incidents regarding to the, the well-being of Neil Lennon. Neil Lennon, we'll come to that. And uh, so this guy posts up, I've just battered the father-in-law. <laughs> and you're thinking, you know, initially you might think, oh, this is a made-up one. But it's clear from the, uh, the tone. From, you know, from the tone and the, the details of the incident that, you know, he had battered his father-in-law. <laughs> and he's saying, the missus has gone mad a bit. <laughs> And you're like, well, <laughs> well, again, first answers, right? Um, I had to have my horse put down today. I'm sorry, because that's if you you love animals, that's obviously a tragic day. Has anybody had a worse day than me? First answer, the horse. <laughs> 
just no place to come for sympathy, is it? There's one guy who obviously didn't realise that um that I'm more a fan of cats than dogs. And he came on and he said, You look you look Bonzo died today and you know, people were condol giving him condolences and I went on and I says Ah, oh, look at the good side. At least you'll get a pair of slappers and a Davy Crockett hat. Right? <laughs> so people are going, oh, boo, boo. You're, you're sick when the guy went, I know that's a bit sick, but you have cheered me up. Yeah, it's just, so, you, you, know, know. The, you know the rules. If you're going to post in the lounge, please be aware of, of what can happen. Um, there, there's been some legendary posters in there. Um, but but the beauty about it, I, I think, is, you know, we're kind of thinking about some of the, you know, the ones that became famous, but... It is literally some of the one-liners that, you know, somebody just bangs it in and you smile and you move on. Because, you know what, you can't add to some of them. No, you, they're you, they're you, just, you know, everything will be an anti-climax. You know, that's done and dusted. It. And I love that kind of quick-fire sense I, and of that, humor. And that's it. I see if there's genuinely something serious. We have seen that with people who needed help. And listen, we've, we've had a laugh there and a joke and there's some cracking funny threads. But two threads in particular... Um, well, it's the same thread, but it's been across the boards as the depression and help thread, mm-hmm. where um, someone posted up that they were struggling, and we could tell by the time um, as admin, we could tell by the time it was posted, and you know the tone of it that this was something serious, and people started coming out and saying, "I suffered from depression, and you know this is what I did, and uh, also help with alcoholism and stuff like that." And, and we can laugh and joke about it, but. People have got help through this. People have actually said, thanks, lads. Or, and you see, you know, message me and I'll talk to you about it. And people have actually gone and, you know, have gone to AA and yeah, sorted yeah. out their life, have gone to their doctor. And it, 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 the community, it keeps coming back to that word. It's about the community. Look, there's a couple of times, actually, the admins, because you can tell. Mm. You can tell when it's really serious. And there's been a couple of times when... The people are suicidal. Using stuff in the background, we've actually been able to get help to them that night. So it's, you know... Right, and the, taking the, it offline, you know, if someone has, has uh, been genuinely... We've, we've noticed this, taking a thread off, but then gone and spoke, you know, yeah. talked to the guy and, as you mm-hmm. say, brought... So uh, but, there but, are... You know, it's, it's good that people, you know, uh, despite all the madness, they do feel at home there and they're, they're able to say that, say those kinds yeah. of things. And then, the, as I say, the, some of the one-liners was... I can't even remember what the guys were arguing about and it was like, you know, I've... I've got, you know, I've got 200 quid in my pocket. What have you got? You're a tramp. And the guy just went, shrapnel. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like... <laughs> you, you, you can't even big time anybody on there. It's just, just, just don't. Um, legendary posters, um, Ethel, uh, has to be has to be mentioned. There was nobody who could get under the skin. Because, again, this is in the era when Celtic supporters, other supporters could come on and nobody could drive them nuts the way Ethel could. But the thing about Ethel, which, you know, nobody really wants to know, is the number of times we're going, this is his last chance. If he does one more thing, he's gone. You know, the username's gone. But it always just seemed to pull it back. And uh, and I remember we'd done FF night in, in Lamb, and they ran a bus from Belfast. And we used to have a, a tame Tim on the website called East Belfast Tim. Mm-hmm. And so Ethel turned up for the bus and introduced himself as East Belfast. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't come... But I, I really like you guys, and he played it through. And the thing is, I mean, Bobby just had a he just had a work a day job, but online he came he came to life. Some of his stuff people didn't like. Hey, that's the way things are. But you know, this was a guy who fairly late in life had decided, or sorry, had taken the opportunity, and he'd started writing a few sketches for some of the local comedy programs over there. But 
you know, that was his mischievousness was that he would he would give them some stuff and then he would go, How about this for a sketch? Yeah. And they'd go, Whoa too much even <laughs> too much even for the return. We can't do but, that. We can't do that. Um yeah, I mean, and there have been some amazing um, posters over the years, some funny ones, some guys who you know, amazing football knowledge. Even now, there are guys who you know Argentinian football, something I didn't know much about, and they'll post you. And that was one of the influences in when I started the Patreon site. The big part of that was get talent out, and it was the years in FF that it taught me. There's tons and tons of talent in the range of support. You just I, need I think, to give think, them a platform. I think as well. I mean, you know, to, we've pulled out Ethel there as one, and you could probably, I don't know. I've probably got about two dozen favourite posters over the years. Mm. But what happens with some of them is, and wh- which I think is good, it's a bit like the fanzine. Some guys have got something to say, and they say it, and once they've said it, they're they happy away. that they've done it, mm. and they disappear. That They wanted to get it off them, their chest, or they've only got one topic that they're really into, Interested in, yeah. um, or one era in the club. And, you know, that's that's the way life is, and, you know, that that's that's what I like, is that... People who they know that you know there's there's no point in, in going on every thread and doing this because it's just it's it's just chum. Mm-hmm. But when they've got something important to say, um, they've got an audience there and they'll they'll find fellow spirits, and you know sometimes it it ends up and um, it becomes a popular idea amongst the fans or incidents that they've done. Other people go away and do research, and I, I love all that stuff when people are actually able to say your memory's good, your memory's bad. I've got this, or my dad remembers that, or I've been up to the Mitchell Library and actually found the Aye, game absolutely. you're talking about, or um, old players where so and so now, you know, and it's like you know one of the dudes, you know, Jim Denny turned up at um, FF Legend, Jim yeah, Denny, yeah, you know. So there's, you know, there, there's that kind of thing about football where Rangers are, are to a certain extent spoiled because we've got such a rich history, such a successful history. But I find time and again that what really matters to punters isn't so much those victories, it's the memory of being there with your pals, with your dad. That's the sort of thing about football that I think we've hopefully been able in some ways to, to encapsulate. But, you know, it's as one of my pals says, you know, life isn't all about weddings and christenings. You know, there's a, there's a few funerals along the way, a few divorces along the way. And, and I think that's how I can... Uh, uh, view it now is that it's um, there's always a new challenge and hopefully it means applying standards and principles and and learning from the past that you know we can we can apply to these situations you know if I'm if I'm getting a bit philosophical about it. The Spivs, that whole era, um, it, it was difficult. It was it was not an easy time for any Rangers fan, and of course you know when you're worried and. Summer 2012 was the worst because it was just people joke that it was you know it felt like getting a boot in the boss every day it felt like getting a boot in the boss every three hours there was you know there wasn't one bad story a day coming out and it, we came through it but then of course it led into the 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 banter years and um it, it took a long time to to wash the stain out of the club what was it like then on the board and on the fanzine and what you used it for? Um, I, I would say that maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here or overstating its importance because um, at the end of the day it is a, a message board and, and what, well, a number of things, as as Big used to say, it was thousands of people doing certain things that, that, that saved the club. Um, 
but I'd, I'd always thought once I saw Murray going wrong that there would be there would be dark days I, reckon but I, I never thought they would be as dark as they were and my inspiration had always been the Charlton fans in their Back to the Valley campaign to get themselves out of Selhurst Park and back to the Valley, their home and you know they stood in elections and they get people that's elected right, yeah, to the, the council. council the Valley party so yeah. yeah and I always thought that's how it would be for us and we would all rally round um also, I would say probably the most instructive thing from the entrenched position was if you get a hold of Michael Kelly's book about Celtic's takeover. That that gives you the most detail about how in real life people fight over football club. So again, I thought it would be you know some lessons from there about how to take on a board, and then the the Valley, uh, the Charlton fans. I always thought that that really in my mind that was the blueprint. If things ever get really bad for us, we would all rally together and we'd be pushing this direction and everybody. And then once once things started to to really uh, hit the fan with with Craig White and all, I remember the I would say that the darkest day for me was when I opened up Follow Follow one morning and it was pages and pages, and people were arguing over whether we should have Bill Ing or Bill Miller as the owner and who had the money. And I went, I "You're know. off. You're not. You know nothing about them. They're not Rangers fans." Why would we put ourselves in jeopardy when you've got a group of Rangers fans with money, you know, with you know, with Paul Murray, with Dave King and all these guys? Why would why would you possibly want somebody that isn't a Rangers fan to own the club? Mm-hmm. And that was the darkest day for me. Um I don't blame anybody that became a Charles Green fan. I don't blame anybody who, you know, kept up the season ticket and didn't join the boycott. Because Rangers have been owned by people that I haven't been fans of in the past. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's part of the deal that, you know, it's a long time, to be honest, when I supported Rangers, I had no idea who the directors were. I wasn't interested, only interested in what happened on the pitch. So I would say it became very dark because I fell out with with people that I thought were pals. I'm happy to put my hand up and say I made bad decisions and some things. But I stuck with it. And the central thing that got me about all these people was because I'd taken such an interest in the finances of the club under Murray, I knew what Rangers was financially and what it wasn't. And my core belief was you could not do what they said they were going to do, as in the price of their shares or the, their investors making money out of Rangers, unless you did one or two things. One was you did something bent or you sold off the assets, i.e., Ibrooks, as in Auckland Howie, or the branding of the club. Uh, yeah, that was <clears throat> I think ultimately what they were going to make the really big money out of was sell Ibrooks off to some pension fund, and then we would be leasing it back for four or five million quid a year, which was the thing you and I were involved in, where we fought David Murray at standstill not to do that. Two thousand three, that they would sell off Auckland Howie for its land value, that they would sell off the brand Rangers as they. Some of them eventually tried to do with, uh, with, with Ashley, and as we know, the Ranger shops and the the, the merchandising that was the one thing that through through everything had always made the club money. That was the crown jewels. So I could so when I asked Charles Green or Imran Ahmed, how do you intend to make your shareholder your investors' money? It just didn't add up. No. So that told me that either they were bent or they were going to do things that were legal but ultimately would cripple Rangers for for the long term. There's a lot of people couldn't see that. A lot of people argued in tactics. Um, 
And there's a lot of bitterness to this day that I have personally for a number of people. I'm sure they have for me because, uh, as you know, David, sometimes I'm I'm the guy that has to deliver the bad news to people that, you know, you're not quite as talented or as clever as you think you are. I still hold uh, against you. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so sometimes I've had to be the, the person that, that delivered those messages because everybody else was fumbling about at meetings. But when people come in and say, our Rangers fans never agree about anything, what does that mean? We're a huge support. There's over a million people support Rangers, according to whatever statistics you get. But in the thick of things, from the day when Paul Murray met myself and, and John Gilligan, um, way back when Murray was still in charge, and he, he or him and, and other people on the board at that time knew that what Murray was doing was going to be dreadful for a club if we got away with it. So we fought all the way through there. Hopefully we didn't change our, our, our coach too often. Um, and then when it came to the end, when we really, when it was open warfare and in internal communications in the club, myself, Chris Graham and Lego were described as the as the arch agitators. Yes. And we would shortly be joined by Big Houston when, when, he, when him and Sandy started off The Sons of Struth. And it wasn't fun anymore. When people were trying to take your home off you, um, in one case, one of our one of our, our friends, he actually was dragged through the the, the courts uh, and was in jeopardy of losing his home over this. When I had it was either seventeen or nineteen visits from the police because they were they were putting in all these spurious complaints about people supposedly being threatened and whatever. Um, you know when you know when all that's happening, uh, and other people were having threats at their business and so forth. It's not funny anymore. No. You know, it's you know, in the past we had campaigns and it was fun. This was so deadly serious that it wasn't fun anymore and you were falling out with people that had different attitudes in a way that you'll probably never have the same relationship with them again. But this idea that we can't agree on anything, well, I'm afraid that most of the organisations that were A worth a toss and wanted to fight, we all got on fairly well. You know, in the union of fans you had you know, you'd the Blue Order, you'd the Union Bears, you'd Sons of Truth, you'd the Assembly, you'd the Trust, you'd a couple of independent websites that were that were against them. So we pushed in the right direction and basically what we said was we're going to carpet Bob Ibrooks with, with information. Some of that's going to be leaflets, it's going to be in the media, it's going to be online. And so I say I threw everything that I possibly could and follow follow into that. Um, you know, with a website, with articles, with organising things. And a lot of the people that joined that mass movement in the street, that was where they first heard about it, was, was on the website. So uh, I certainly don't put the success of getting rid of the spivs down to follow, follow, but we were a part of, mm-hmm. of that movement. Absolutely. And I would say that's been, it's been the best of times and it's been the worst of times. Because, as I say, there were people who are genuine blue noses, took a different view, and it did get very bitter. And, you know, I did lose some pals... Um, but you know what? I never thought about it. I never thought about it twice because what mattered to me was to put the club, make sure it was in safe hands, and if that meant some personal loss, well, I didn't care. It mattered too much to me. So when I had to make a decision between keeping somebody as a pal or losing them, there never was much of a discussion. So, as I say, it, it wasn't pleasant, um, but I am proud. I wish I'd played more of a part. Uh, wish I hadn't made, hadn't been so conservative with a small C early 
early on. I think but, though, but, but then again, we didn't know, and it, you know, it, it, that's okay with hindsight to say we should have. Mm. But at the time, we were. And I, remember, I, we'd I been can, through so much. We I, were a bit gun shy. I can remember saying to, to Gordon Dunny, who was the chairman of the trust at the time, and I said, "We know we're right, and we know this is headed only one way. But if we are, we we are now the only group that is that that isn't endorsing." Charles Green and we're out in a limb and you know what when the tide turns if we're so far out in, out in a limb a lot of people never forgive us you won't but, get them back right? yeah. so we've got this, we've got to hold our noses swim with the tide and we know that the tide will change but for you know the next couple of months we've just got to suck it and see politics sing. because if he's sold 30,000 season tickets there's a message in that for us uh we knew it would fall apart because it had to just, you know, common sense. Economics told you it was going to fall apart. Um, and I'm, gl- I'm glad to say we, we follow, follow, whether it was subsidising some of the leaflets, whether it was the mass emails. The crucial thing is the SPIVs knew how important we were. Mm-hmm. Again, without the punters, the, crea- the punters created the conditions which meant that Dave King and his allies were able to buy enough shares in the club to make a difference um, and without the punters those conditions didn't matter how much money they had uh, it would have been a, a far far more difficult struggle so we played our part and they played their part so it's it's not quite the, the fairy tale it's not quite the linear progression that I hoped it would be um, it was uphill and down dale and a bit patched together and God knows how we did it but together Rangers fans did it and you know towards the end that you know when it started to snowball, you're just like, oh, it's got a life of its own yeah. now, you know. And once it's over, we'll never see days like this in, in our lifetimes. Fingers crossed on that one, big man. Um, just before we go, then there's been over the last few years changes in the net, changes in the culture, um, really around the growth of social media and and, and Facebook, uh, Twitter, etc. But uh, I mean, I would say that that message boards are still a form of social media, an early form of social media. Um, in fact, you could argue that it's it was almost the introduction to people to the idea of you know communicating online with 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 groups of strangers that that, that really put the seed in mind for a lot of people. Although you still get on on FF guys who they are you know four hours a day saying oh, I don't get social media I don't understand why people do it and you're like mate you know <laughs> hello um, but how has that affected? The, the site and how has it affected behaviours round about the site is probably more what I'm interested in. I, th- I think we're pretty pretty lucky because because it's been going for quite a while there's a kind of acceptable standard of behaviour some of it is still I mean we still allow stuff that's pretty nutty um, but when I look at Facebook and Twitter I think Facebook's going the same way Twitter, Twitter Twitter's a great place for finding information you know I mean I, I subscribe to loads and loads of different sites or guys who've got uh, uh, Twitter feeds and there's some marvellous information that, that you pick up there. But I find Twitter extremely difficult to follow in a debate and, you know, <laughs> it's very difficult. Uh, and also because it's so short, it means people can be very caustic to one another and, and quite often... Quite quickly it, as well. Uh, it, go, it, it goes to... You know, it, 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 p- p- people go for the nuclear button very quick. It's not to 16 uh-huh. seconds, yeah. On Facebook, people say, I can say what I like in Facebook, and you know I don't get moderators or admins cutting me off. And you're like, yeah, well, 
that's great so long as what you're saying is actually worth a toss. And sadly, most people, they don't really get the fact that, you know, most people, myself included, live pretty mundane lives. You know, we're, we're not all liberal polymaths, you know, where people want to hang in our every, hang in our every word. So it's great for communication, but unless you have rules and 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 also I don't think Facebook helps you you and I know how difficult it is yeah, to moderate a busy a busy Facebook page because it doesn't give you the same tools that a message board does. But it doesn't even give you the you don't even get them mm. in, in t- even as a moderator, mm-hmm. you don't even get a list of the last post. Yeah. And even to us it will display stuff from Thursday and you're like I don't want it to know Thursday. I would like to know what people have said today. Um, which is part of it. That nobody likes Facebook. It's one of the reasons why it's... Now uh, that it's, it's finding itself in trouble, Mark, that's why Facebook has no defenders. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to be elitist in this, but people say what's the biggest difference. The biggest difference is uh, that technology, technology is idiot-proof. So therefore, you've got a lot more idiots on the internet. And that's just a fact of life. And if those people have no rules that are enforced on them, then very quickly things go very wrong. So Facebook and Twitter, I don't blame the companies, it's people that are misusing them. Um, and that's a problem. Whereas on message boards, what you're finding now is that the, the demographic for message board tends to be between about five and ten years older than, than, than Twitter and Facebook. And Twitter and Facebook are now getting overrun by Instagram and Snapchat because that's how people live their lives now is through their mobile phones and you know anybody that can you know switch the on button can now get on to to the internet whether what they do on there is is up to much as is really anybody's guess but i tend to think that communication in itself is a good thing what i don't like and and we've had this is the ghettoization of interest groups so if you go into a Celtic site, there are no Rangers fans there. You go into a Rangers site, there's no Celtic fans. And that goes for, for most clubs now. Whereas in the past, you actually did have a little bit of better behaviour, more of a, an alternative view. Whereas now, let's, I actually think the Celtic sites are a lot better example than, than the Rangers sites. Two of the biggest Celtic sites are, I would say, not really um, indicative of the Celtic support as a whole because they're so extreme and that they constantly promote hatred uh, as a norm things that were fairly outre um, before the internet came are now commonplace so I think it can be it can be a dark place but on the other hand um, follow follows got its faults but again I've always been motivated by um, the reality of life as a fan for myself my family for my friends going to the football and I think Follow Follow has been a great place where that reality has been uh, has been shown to the rest of the, the world. For instance, when I was growing up, people kept saying Rangers are the establishment club. Blacks that. Well, not in my lifetime. <laughs> not anymore, no. no. Well, well, certainly not in my lifetime. So I wonder, was it in my dad's lifetime uh. or my grandfather's lifetime? So we're now leaving a record, uh, an imprint on uh, on the internet of the reality of being a Rangers fan and also you're you know it's a place where people can learn from from older fans and you know hopefully the standards that we expect to the club and the players and amongst the punters that's not to sugarcoat it for them because you know at the end of the day the west of Scotland is a fairly kind of brutal place at times um 
so I'm, I'm all in favour of showing both sides of the, the support, the good and the bad. Um, but to keep it in its context, now I think, you know, without being a really liberal, that's really what Does it want. really suit you no, that? I, 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 <laughs> well, shall we say a classical liberal? Um, is that, you know, the truth never really hurt anybody. And and that's what I've always been been mindful and follow follow is amongst all the madness and the good times, is when you talk seriously, you do talk seriously and you're able to back it up, not with mindless prejudice, but with the reality, uh, with facts. And, you know, there's this great exchange of ideas about, you know, who we are and what we are and how the modern world impacts on the club and where we've been and where we're going to go. So uh, that may sound a bit woolly, but I, but I do believe that, you know, this kind of amazing collection of people that we've met along the journey. Some of them have left, some of them have, have gone, uh, you know, going upstairs or downstairs, depending on, on how they behaved. <laughs> but, you know, we have been a pretty good, um, I would say, a fairly a fairly decent example to people who aren't Rangers fans, why they should support Rangers. The fun uh, the fun that we've had along the way is, is the main thing. Well, Mark, thank you very much. Utterly fascinating. And I know a lot of people were asking... Um, when we were going to do this part two so I'm really glad that we were able to bring it to them this week because it's been uh, fantastic and and like I say I know that for me the site has just been all joking aside you know my life's taken some strange turns over the years and it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't logged into it all those years ago Um, and as you say met some amazing people and it's given me personally just so many opportunities and friendships and highs Um, and the the fact that I can still ten years later, you know, recite word for word threads, uh, I think shows you the impact that it's had. Um, I would like to thank our sponsors for today, Maitland and Co. Net. If you have any legal needs whatsoever, please go and visit them. That's Maitland and Co. Net, and uh, yeah, all the details, of course, are in the ad at the start of the show. I thank our executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Ayers. If you want more content like this, where it's not just about the week to week at Ibrox and you want to hear stuff about the history stuff about the background anything like that please visit our Patreon site it's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand and it's just one ninety nine per month for around about 100 hours extra content a month uh, the production is even uh, surprising me at this point uh, that is pretty much everything from me I'll be back Thursday with heart and hand extra and we will have back to the normal routine with the preview show for Saturday's match at Motherwell Mark thank you very much my friend it's lovely to have been had David I will talk to you again all later. Cheers. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.